your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of thrive time. I want to welcome all of you that are listening to the show for the very first time today. Welcome, please. Uh, make sure that you understand that today is going to be a life-changing, I believe that, a thrive-minded, action-stoking, thought-provoking show yet again as we continue to deliver this style of content now for almost two years. We're coming up close to our 100th show and that's going to be a big deal coming up in a couple of weeks here. We're going to make a uh, quite an announcement about that. But today's show is going to deliver for you the value that you've come here and that uh, not only to, to listen to for the very first time, but the value that you've come to expect as an ongoing listener. So thank you for being a supporter of the show and thank you for listening for the very first time today. But today is one of those shows that I get excited about because we're going to jam 10 pounds of groceries in a two pound bag. So I hope that you've come ready to learn and to grow with some action stoking, thought provoking dialogue that we're going to dive into for the next 60 minutes. And by the way, if you've not had a chance to hear our prior episodes because you're visiting for the first time, then let me encourage you to check out my show site, the J May talkshow.com and click on to the archive section you'll have a chance to binge here all of our prior episodes that one after the other is just dynamic with incredible people with incredible messages and i'm just thinking that you're going to find yourself reaching out to me as many do around the world now letting me know that you love this particular episode you love that mic drop on that show you love that knowledge bomb on that particular episode and I know that today is going to be yet another example of that. But those episodes that are uh, lined up in our archive section are going to drive you to do better in your life if you are thrive-minded, and I believe that you are. And also, while you're at it, make sure that you check out my personal site, thejmamie.com. thejmamie.com. There you'll have a chance to hear all of my other content, my, my blog my, my blogs, rather, my vlog, my videos, my Thrive Sales Mastery course, all sorts of goodies that are designed to help you thrive as you're pursuing the best and better version of you. And also make sure that you stick with me, follow me on all of my social media handles so we can stay connected as I continue to deliver content that hopefully will make an impact in your life like today's show will be. Uh, today's show, folks, you know, is one of those programs that I look forward to because the not only the content is is rich, but the guests are incredible. And our featured guest today will be coming up shortly is the legendary and financial literacy icon Sharon Lecter is going to be with us today and we're going to pick her brain. Boy, and I tell you what, she's got so much goodness to share. We're going to dive into that shortly. But in our upcoming segment here, I want to dive into Thrive Jive. Now, Thrive Jive launched last month and we decided to have a segment where me and my co-host the founder and ceo of motivational pros chris harris who's been a fantastic guest on the show uh in, in prior episodes he came up with the idea of having a concept called thrive jive where we just pick apart what's happening in today's events and just look at how we can derive lessons from things that are happening around the world in real time and uh, boy, we landed, uh, we had our inaugural show last month. It was awesome. The feedback was incredible. So we're back here to attack another Thrive Jive segment with Chris Harris. Chris, brother, how are you? I'm doing great, Jay. Good to be back. Chris, I want to title our Thrive Jive today, man, uh, with really what 
the topic that everyone's talking about today, but I want to title it the slap heard around the world, <laughs> right? Because I think that's a great thing to call it. Yes, sir. Because I think that you can't go very far today without having that conversation on somebody's tongue, and for good reason too. So I, I want to spend our Thrive Jive really being real and raw. Uh, not not so much replaying what happened and what we're talking about, folks, is what everyone knows is the Will Smith incident at the at the uh, Oscars the other night. He happened to get so upset that he went up there and he smacked um, Chris Rock. And most of you guys by now have heard and have seen and know the story. So I want to go a little bit deeper because there's lessons that you can learn from things that happen, not only within your environment, but outside of your environment that can teach you some viable lessons. So Chris, you and I had a chance to chat about that and you came up with some really good perspectives as to not only what can drive somebody to, to respond in a way that whether or not they realize the repercussions, they still take those actions. And you brought up a great point yesterday when you and I were chatting about response management. I'd love for you to share that with our audience. Yeah. uh, You know, it comes down to emotional intelligence. Um, Emotional intelligence is not like IQ. IQ is something that pretty much stabilizes once you hit your adult years. It can fluctuate a point or two, but there's really not much you're going to do in your adult life to improve your IQ. But emotional intelligence EI. It is one of the greatest predictors of a person's success in their lifetime. And EI, as we'll call it, uh, it, some people also call it emotional quotient, Mm -hmm. but we're going to call it emotional intelligence. Same thing. It's broken into five pillars. And let's just say each of these pillars are weighted by 20%, all right? So cumulative, they're 100% of your emotional intelligence. But it's self-awareness, Self-government or self-regulation, which is the one we're going to talk about here in a minute. Self-motivation, the, the, your ability to motivate yourself. Your level of empathy would be number four, and then your social skills would be number five. So 20% of your success is going to be determined by your ability to self-regulate, self-govern. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about right now. Um, you know, Do we respond or do we react? Do we let our, get, our emotions get the best of us, or do we stop and, and, and think for a moment and say, you know what, I better think this through? Mm-hmm. And that's self-regulation. That's self-government, and that's what we all saw the other night. You know, one of the things that, that, that I don't think anybody, that at least that I've spoken to, will disagree with is the, the, the content that was spoken about in terms of the joke. It, it was it – was, not an appropriate joke. It really wasn't funny. It was it was sort of flat anyway. Um, and what would really cause someone to to make light or make fun or or a, 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 to to get a laugh, make fun of someone and someone's hairdo, uh, and the hairdo is really a, as a result of 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 an ailment, right? I mean, so that's questionable. But we can't worry about what went on Chris Rock's mind to produce that joke. But we can focus on what may have gone through Will's mind at that moment, which. I believe the brother just snapped, and I love Will Smith. I'm a big fan of his. Um, but, you know, we all have challenges in life that sometimes we're caught off guard because we're not ready, as you say, to have proper response management. And that takes a measure of, of emotional discipline 
Because on any given day, someone could say something to you that offends you, offends your family, whether it's at work, whether it's at at play. It could be anywhere, and you snap. How important, brother, and you know this because you're a combative specialist. You teach about being in, uh, having discipline and emotional control. How important is that for us to be mindful of in the larger scheme of things? Yeah, well, you know, with my background teaching close quarters combat uh, to to the military, to the elite, uh, we're held at a— a higher standard. Um, so if 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 you are out with your spouse and someone pops off to you in front of your spouse, and as a result, you know it, it comes to blows. You, mm-hmm. you you get offended. You throw a punch. You throw a slap. Whatever. It it, it goes to physical contact. You're going to be in trouble for that. You could be sued for that. You're going to be held accountable for that. But if you are considered an expert. Um, in the world of close quarters combat, and you've been teaching uh, military elite, federal agencies for two, three decades, and somebody pops off to you and you let it get the best of you and you hit them, you're going to jail, period. Um, you know, so to, to whom much is given, much is required. Um, there's a higher level of accountability with people who are trained um, in the physical arts. So I can tell you that uh, about 30% of what I taught was mindset. And when I say mindset, I I also mean emotional intelligence, self-regulation. It's the ability to know – it's knowing that you should do something um, and not doing it, or it's knowing you shouldn't do something and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I I can tell you that that was a very big piece of the training that I did for 25 years to to the military and the elite – and, and what it comes down to is this. We, we had a saying, never train someone, never transfer a skill set to someone that is beyond what their character can handle and manage. Mm. Mm. Because if you knowingly give them that skill set, transfer them that skill set, and you, you know that they don't have the character to sustain it or management, manage it, now you're accountable. That's right. That's right. You know, I, there's something to be said about respons- a, a responsible transferring of power to someone who has the responsibility enough to manage it well, not abuse it, not, not take advantage of others as a result of this new skill or, or power that they now have. Um, and, and, but it goes back to self-regulation and being able to stay calm and in control even in the heat of battle or in the heat of a situation that can get out of hand, staying in control. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at this this whole event that occurred, as I was chatting with my son, I mean, these, this, these become great life lessons for those with wisdom to leverage the event, to teach others wisdom. And I know that at the end of the day, I don't know Will Smith personally, Chris, um, but again, I, I followed him. I watched him when, when he was, uh, you know, on a French prince of, uh, of Bel Air and, and, uh, we're the same, we're about the same age. Um, so I, I mean, early on, I followed his career and I know that he's probably thinking about right now. I know he's remorseful about it. I know that he would have thought about it being a different response, but I'm hoping that he, I believe that he's hoping that people would look at this incident and peel off lessons that they can learn from and improve their lives. So that being said, what's one lesson, Chris, in the last few minutes of Thrive Jive here that you would hope that people can walk away with after seeing this incident? If you know, if you know, I mean, look, 
this is where one of the other pillars of of emotional intelligence comes in, which is self-awareness. All right. Self-awareness is the first pillar. Self-regulation is the second. Those two go hand in hand, because how can you have self-regulation if you have no self-awareness of your environment? Correct. All right. So the first thing is recognizing this self-awareness that, wow, I'm offended. Now, this is not easy to do, what I'm about to suggest. Um, it's, it's very difficult to do. That's, that's why it's called intelligence. Um, but recognizing the fact that I'm offended, I can feel the hair on the back of my neck standing up right now, and therefore I must choose to either respond or react. And the, the best thing you can always do, and I'm not sitting here saying I, I'm not saying what Will Smith should or should not have done. I'm talking about response versus reaction in general as a former combatives instructor. Self-awareness, number one, tells us, hey, I'm offended. And then number two, self-regulation says step five feet back. Mm-hmm. That's just that's the first rule, step five feet back. Because when you step five feet back in close quarters combat, it's no longer close quarters. It's now mid-range, mid-quarters combat, which means that someone has to move their feet before they can put hands on you. So self-awareness says, uh-oh, I'm, I'm offended. And, and look, the easiest way to, in, in, in my past life, the easiest way to get somebody offended, if you wanted to get them offended, was to call them a coward in front of people they cared about. That's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then and you'll, you'll find out who the emotionally mature ones are real quick. And uh, so, so look, self-awareness says something ain't right here. Self-regulation says five feet back. And I think those two disciplines could do all of us great if we practice them daily because on any given day when you least expect it, somebody could say something to you. And again, this this doesn't have to be in some program or, or glamorous show like we like it happened. It could be at, at, at your work. It could be dealing with a client. Someone can say something to you that offends you. And if you're not self-regulated, if you're not even aware that you're not uh, that that you've um, that you're upset about it, then you can react in a way that will be counterproductive to the whole scenario, and you'll be worse off than you were before the whole uh, daggum thing started. So I'm, I'm glad that we're tackling this. You know, thriving involves learning how to master uh, your emotions, learning how to have response management. You can't thrive if you go off the rail sometimes um, when things don't go right. So I appreciate you being on Thrive Jive, Chris. We're going to rock and roll again next month with you ha- having you back again. You're an incredible host. Folks, make sure you track down Chris Harris. He's the founder and CEO of Motivational Pros, and we're going to be right back with Sharon Lecter. Tired of the corporate grind? Have you ever considered owning your own business? This is Irving Chung. I'm the founder and CEO of Fran Guidance, and I can help you take your financial future into your own hands. There's a proven and profitable franchise business in nearly every category and budget. Contact me today for a free consultation at franguidance.com. That's F-R-A-N-G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E.com or call 214-908-9791. 
Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. ThriveSalesMastery.com. Do you find yourself feeling sluggish, stressed, foggy-brained, or need focus and clarity? MacArthur Accommodations can help you get on the right track to begin your healing today from the inside out. We specialize in helping you to reflect, recharge, and renew yourself one step at a time. Come join our immunity community at immunityforlife.net for free tips, discounts, upcoming workshops, and a list of our services. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, I'm excited about our featured guest today. I mentioned earlier that Sharon Lecter is not only a, a legend, but she's a financial literacy icon, but she's also the New York Times bestselling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as well as 22 other books, including Think and Grow Rich for Women and Outwitting the Devil. She's also a master mentor. She's given over 1,000 keynotes 30 million plus copies of, of her books have been sold. Her, she herself is a successful serial entrepreneur. And as I mentioned earlier, the premier financial literacy expert, she's also served under two U.S. presidents as an advisor on the topic of financial literacy. She's a legend. She's an icon. And she's on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Sharon Lecter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. I'm so delighted to be with you. Appreciate it. Well, I'm glad that you and I connected. Uh, you know, I, I, you and I had a chance to chat yesterday a little bit, and uh, it turns out that we've sort of crossed paths in a way at different events. Never really had a chance to connect, and and recently you were in Dallas at another uh, convention, and and I got so, oh so close to to saying hello, and when I turned around, poof, you were gone. <laughs> so I'm glad that we've connected now, and we're going to bring tremendous value to our to our listeners. Uh, but Sharon, I want to start off by by knowing a little bit about. What went through your mind early on? You were a CPA in Atlanta early on in your career, correct? Yes, I started my career in public accounting. I was one of the very first women in public accounting back in the mid-'70s. And um, grew up in a very entrepreneurial home. At mm -hmm. 10, I was scrubbing out bathrooms and rental properties we owned. Mm -hmm. and, um, my dad had a used car lot. My mom had a beauty shop. So it was kind of in my blood, but I resisted I said I wanted to be a sophisticated professional, so I went to school first generation to go to college mm -hmm. and started my career in public accounting in Atlanta. So you were set in a way, even though your surroundings and your upbringing were entrepreneurial. That's where you were, that was your experience, but you were set in a professional career for and for all all intents purposes. You you had your future ahead of you, a good corporate life, and I've heard you speak about that. But I'm interested in knowing, as you look back now upon your life, what were those watershed moments back then during that time uh, that contributed to a pivot into an entrepreneurial journey and then one into the financial empowerment space? Well, thank you, Jay. It was interesting. I, I share this story because I was really doing very well in accounting. I was rising through the ranks and about the ripe old age of 25. Mm -hmm. um, I was ready to be promoted. My boss told me I was ready to be a manager, one of the youngest ones. He says, but it's going to upset the guys that started with you. So I'm going to give you the money, not the title. Mm. 
of course, that didn't set too well because mm-hmm. he didn't know me well enough to know that, that that was the opposite of what would be important to me. Mm-hmm. And then about that same time, I had a call from a client inviting me to go with him. He was buying a company out of bankruptcy where I would own a piece of it. And at, you know, simultaneously, I was working incredibly long hours and not in control of my own life. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like I woke up one day and I said, okay, let's – do this analysis. This was before PCs, before cell phones. So I did the old yellow legal pad, if you remember those. <laughs> I do. Pros and cons. It didn't help me a bit because I could argue both sides. But um, my, my hand kind of took off and wrote across the top of the page, why not? Mm. And that still today is one of my guiding philosophies. Why not do something different? Mm-hmm. Why not take, take the path less traveled? Why not solve a problem or serve a need? And so that's really was the trigger that really set me on the rest of my life as far as um, focusing on things that we can do to solve problems and serve needs. You know, I, I think there's many people today, Sharon, that have the experience either because they're disgruntled or they're just even today the Great uh, Recession, right? There's people that have taken that proverbial legal pad out. They've written all the pros and cons, left and right column. And they, they have overwhelming reasons to do something different, but I believe they don't do what you did at the top of that page. They don't write, why not? And I always ask, what's the benefit of not asking, of asking, why not? What's the benefit of holding back? What's the benefit of not going for it? We're going to spend some time a little bit later on in the show talking about the big play, okay? I know that's that's something that you are, are championing now also. Um, but I think that's probably the reason why people don't take that leap of faith. They never do what you did and just ask the simple question, why not? Yeah, and I think there's there's a there's a fear, a fear of stepping outside, even if it's not um rewarding, it's comfortable. It's what mm-hmm. you know. And so we get complacent in our life and we have that fear of making a change and stepping out. And that's what I really help people understand that you empower yourself by taking that first step. First, that the first step may be the hardest, but it certainly is the most successful because it helps you establish new associations, new opportunities, new environments, and that's you know we want to stay curious, we want to stay creative. Mm-hmm. You, you lose your curiosity and creativity if you stay in the same place all the time. Let me ask you, Sharon, in your opinion, from a life skill standpoint, what's still not being taught? in academia today that that suppresses the entrepreneur and and financial success potential in in all of us and my second part to that question is how does that rear its ugly head even in the later years well number one we're not teaching money in school Mm -hmm. and we'd still in school teach people to exchange time for money and the biggest difference between people who have have wealth and those who don't is the wealthy understand to invest their time into buy, build, and create assets, and those assets generate income. Those folks that are not wealthy yet are still exchanging time for money, and the problem with that is there's only so many hours in the day and so many days in the week, and you get tired. If you don't get out of bed and go to work, you don't get paid. And so the, my message from day one has been let's stop chasing money, let's invest our time to buy, build, and create income-producing assets. Yeah, Sharon, one of the things I read a few days ago, and you might have probably, you probably read the same thing. The governor of Florida passed a mandate that requires students at the high school level to take half a credit 
of personal finance as part of completing their graduation curriculum. And I thought to myself, half a credit? <laughs> I mean, that's probably a couple of months. That's not even a semester. So it, it reiterated to me how there is still this missing component, a serious missing component where the academic world, even at the high school level, um, really doesn't comprehend how important it is to go beyond just a half a credit to teach young adults a life skill that they take on to for the rest of their lives. And, and why do you think that still is the case? Yeah, unfortunately, there's only seven or eight states that require a personal finance um, semester course for high school graduation. Twelve others require it be taught in other curriculum, mm -hmm. sort of like buried into history or economics. or And it, it's just criminal. And I, and to to the, your question about why is that, I think there, the teachers, I mean, I work with schools all the time, and mm -hmm. I, I help change the law here in Arizona, but the teachers understand the need for it. It's the administrators. They don't want to change what they're doing. They don't want to change it. And, they, and quite frankly, they realize they may not have someone on staff competent enough to teach it, and mm. that's why we have standardized curriculum and things that people can use. But it, if we truly want, and we talk about all this all the time, the, the, the haves and the have-nots, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, well, that's because they learn it at home. If we really want to level the playing field for every child so that every child has the equal opportunity to succeed, we would require our schools to teach the basics of money and entrepreneurship so that every child has equal opportunity to create their future. I think that one of the problems with not addressing this early on, uh, Sharon, I, if you could elaborate on this, um, in your experience, is this lack of understanding, this lack of literacy, it, it does have crippling effects as you get older, just like bad health. If you don't take care of your body physically, and I used to be a personal trainer, Sharon, so I, I speak often on, on well-being and making sure that you have uh, uh, a good nutrition in order to to build the foundation for your future life. But financially speaking, boy, if you don't build the foundation early on with knowledge and education, it's going to have its crippling effects in the future. And what have you seen are those crippling effects for people that start to, to realize way too late the things they should have learned early on? Well, we have far too, too few people that have anything set aside for their retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're basically, they, they want to look good and live good. They don't think about the long-term impact of not saving and investing their money. And so there, it's definitely a, a, a huge problem that we have all around the world. It's not just an American problem. It's global, no matter where you live or no matter what language you speak. And so the, the issue is it's never been easier to start a business. Mm -hmm. And so I want people, a lot of times people, when they need extra cash, they get a second job or they ask for overtime. I go, instead of doing that, let's find five to 10 hours a week. Everybody can. And let's start an online business. And in the interim, if you need additional cash flow, find somebody you believe in and become an affiliate. That's mm -hmm. not a, a business, but it's a way for you to get some needed cash flow. Start a sideline business and allow that to grow so that it can supplement your income, but it's something that can be long-term and turned into an asset, which generates you passive income. I think today, more than ever, people are um, open to the idea of what I call, not this, and I hate when people say side hustle. I think we're beyond the side hustle. I think I the, the, the phrase of sidepreneurship, I like that better. But yeah. I think that people today are, and they need to, 
uh, for not only financial survival, but emotional survival, they need to find something else to do that brings in not only extra income, but increased personal value of, of what they can deliver to the world that the world needs in terms of what you said earlier, providing solutions. So this sidepreneurship today is greater than ever, whether it's doing something uh, that you come up with your own service or even franchising. Franchising is huge today, um, yes, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I cannot stand I cannot stand the term side hustle. It implies <laughs> negativity to me. It's terrible. Like, no. Let's, you know, the, the richest people in the world, the, on average, depending on which survey you look at, they have like seven streams of income. Mm-hmm. And so if you're living on a paycheck, it's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck. Mm. Start focusing on how to reinvest it, how to start a side business that can become your main business, become your main revenue stream. Reinvest in some investment real estate. It's never been easier to invest in real estate. But it's a matter of making that decision to put the stake in the ground and saying, I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere if I keep doing the same thing that I've been doing. You know, we're all where we are today because of the choices we made before today. If you're not where you want to be financially, it's time to make different choices. And it's never too late. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. say, I'm too old. No, nobody's too old. You Every opportunity to create something new and start serving other people and, and, and getting paid for it. Yeah, absolutely correct, Sharon. And I appreciate you saying that because there's no excuse today for someone not to have an opportunity to generate a second source of income if it's something that they need to do. There's just no excuse. There's no shortage of options out there. But before we go to break here, Sharon, I want to pick this up after the break. I got to share with you one of my, can I share with you one of my pet peeves, please? Can I share with you a pet peeve? Jay made me pet peeve. I've been doing this. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21 years old and that's close to 30, that's in 13 years old financial entrepreneur since I was 21 years old. So it's coming up on my 30th anniversary. And so so I resonate with a lot of what you say. But my pet peeve is that there is a difference between people that have financial knowledge but don't have financial wisdom. And there's people that say, well, I know that already. But they don't apply it. They don't implement it to their own detriment. So when we come back after the break, can you help us understand what's the difference between financial knowledge, having financial knowledge, and financial wisdom. Absolutely. We'll pick that up after the break. Your passion is your business, not the tech. Union handles all of this for you so you can focus on what you love. Give us 15 minutes and you'll get mobile ordering, loyalty, scheduling payment processing, and more at no cost to you. Take the Union Challenge for free and see how much more money you'll put in your pocket with our solution. Go to jointheunion.com to get started now. That's join the Y-O-U-N-I-O-N.com. Jointheunion.com. So you've built a successful business. Now what? Transform your successful business into a valuable business. That's where Dumont Capital Partners comes in. We've built a step-by-step process designed to drive up your business's value and give you back control over your time. Whether you want to sell for a premium or just know that you could, Dumont Capital Partners will give you the life and business you deserve. Contact us at ValueBuilderUS.com. That's ValueBuilderUS.com. Are you a business owner who has legal issues or questions? Are you a business owner who does not want to hire an attorney because of the cost? My name is Joey Garza with the law firm of Gravel, Martin & Fulton. I concentrate my practice on helping businesses solve their legal issues efficiently. I also help clients reduce their legal risk to avoid costly legal conflicts. 
My email is jgarza at grablemartin.com. My phone number is 817-602-5815. Joey Garza is responsible for this advertising, and my primary practice location is Dallas-Fort Worth. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a phenomenal conversation with the icon, the legendary Sharon Lecter. When we left off, Sharon, before the break, I asked you a question. What's the difference between having financial knowledge and financial wisdom? Well, I think financial wisdom is it comes from having been there, done that, and applying that knowledge mm. and learning from it. I mean, you can have the knowledge and apply it and make mistakes. The issue, are you going to learn from those mistakes so you don't repeat them? And it's, you know, people are so afraid to take action. You know, we were raised with negativity around money, like pinch your penny, save for a rainy day. We can't afford it. And so we have the scarcity mindset that's automatically ingrained because of what the fear about money. And so financial knowledge doesn't take care of that fear. It stands aside it. And so you have to start applying that knowledge to start feeling empowered to get rid of the fear. And that's when you get financial wisdom. Financial wisdom comes from doing things correctly and then also failing and learning from the failures so that you can continue moving in a direction. And financial wisdom means that you've taken action to improve your financial life, and you can see it when you look at your balance sheet. Now, I couldn't agree with you more. That There is a difference between knowing and doing, right? You could have knowledge and you could know about things all day long. But if you don't actually apply them uh, to anything or take action steps to change your situation, you could be the smartest broke person around. <laughs> right? So it, it's applying what you've learned. And, and that, that's not just only in, in the world of finance. That's really in anything in life. Uh, and I, I, I try to make that message broad and generic with people. But you still find those that, that lean towards wanting the knowledge, acquiring knowledge, but not implementing the knowledge. And for me, that's a pet peeve. But Sharon, I want to talk about entry and exit financial conversations. Because young couples, and, and you've been around a long time in the industry, obviously, and, and me being around the industry for a long time, I've had conversations with both young couples and senior seasoned couples. So I talk, uh, I coin as sort of entry and exit financial conversations. Young couples are entry, seasoned couples are exit conversations. What words do you share, would you share rather, with these two couples that are experiencing two very different stages in life? Well, I think that's a fantastic question. I applaud you. Thank you. Um, I think the entry level side, I always, I tell young couples, go on a, a money date and over dinner, talk about how your parents each handled money so that you can I start identifying where things may arise. It helps you identify things where you may clash when it comes to financial decisions. Um, I had a young couple ready to get married, and they didn't realize until a week before the mar marriage that the, the wife had $350,000 worth of student loan debt. Mm. That's that's an important piece of information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, Just a little. It's really important <laughs> to have those conversations. And usually when you're talking about how your parents dealt with money, it ends up becoming humorous and laughter. But it's very educational because then you can understand where you're on the same page and, more importantly, where you are not on the same page so that it gets it out and you can start discussing it and making plans together. 
obviously the the level of divorce is very very high and one of the top reasons for divorce is money mm-hmm. and that becomes people are afraid to talk about money with each other and that's the thing that from a beginning start it's very very important when you talk about the senior you know the end conversation it's so important as people are married and living together that they do have a joint vision of where they want to go financially and um, I often laugh my husband we bought a ranch about 15 almost actually 17 years ago and it said when we get we've been married 42 years and I said when you get married you kind of talk should talk about do you want to you know retire at the ocean or the mountains because my husband wanted the mountains and I wanted the ocean Mm -hmm. so we bought this gorgeous ranch in the in the mountains and put in Lake Sharon that's my ocean but (laughs) it's really important to have those conversations about where you're headed and what you want and to jointly determine how you're going to get there. Because what happens many, many times in long-term marriages, the, you know, one of the spouses is spending money and hiding it from the others you know, because they don't, they don't want to get yelled at. Or they have started keeping money separate. And when you start putting that kind of a division inside a marriage, nothing good comes from that. And so it's really important to have those conversations. I have a dear friend who's very has a lot of financial wisdom, and she and her, in fact, she handles all the money in her family. They went, she and her husband went to see a financial planner, and the financial planner never looked at her. He mm. totally looked at the husband, expecting mm. the husband to know all the answers. That has to stop. Yeah. Um, you know, women now control sixty percent of personal wealth in the United States, and so women are becoming more financially. Um, aware. The problem is there are still too many women that give that responsibility up to the husband, and that inherently creates problems down the line. Both male and female need to work together, need to understand what their goals are, need to understand how they're going to get there. Sharon, the the landscape for women being more involved uh, in the financial decisions is changing. I I know that from just sitting across the kitchen table for 30 years. I see that. But why do you think that's happening now? 60% of women, you said, are, are involved in making these decisions. Why are women now more than ever pursuing this financial empowerment experience um, than just 10 years ago? Well, the, the percentage of women started businesses is you know growing very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And we now have more than 50% of college graduates are women. So wow. women now are 42% of the um, main major breadwinners in the family. Mm-hmm. And so women inherently are starting to take more responsibility on the earning side of money. And so when that happens, and certainly over the next um, three decades or four decades, $30 trillion is going to be inherited by women. So part of knowing that's going to happen is taking the responsibility to educate yourself on not how to just receive it, but how to invest it and make it grow for future generations. Um, you know, the number of percentage of working women is increasing every year. Mm-hmm. And so it's inherently respo- important for women to stand in their own power and stand side by side with their partner. Many women don't even understand that once they get married, they still have the, an individual credit rating. And many times they give that up. Everything's in the husband's name. That's right. And and then when the husband passes or when there's, you know, unfortunately a divorce, the woman has no credit and has no financial standing. And that's, you know, it's a tragedy. So we, we have to understand each of us 
has our own credit rating, and we need to focus on that. And as you can become a power couple with the two of you, but make sure each person is also aware of their financial position. Wisdom, absolute mic drop, absolute knowledge bomb. So I appreciate you sharing that, Sharon. Now, you recently co-authored another book called How Money Works for Women with another champion in the financial literacy space, Kim Schooler. What inspired you to take on that project? Well, I absolutely love the organization they are out there. And and quite frankly, to your last question, they have, the I think, the highest percentage of female um, professionals in their financial services company that I've ever seen in any, mm-hmm. any financial services company. And Kim is just a rock star. And that they reached out to me. I've spoken for their national convention a couple of times now. And they reached out to me because they how many works they last year um, – when, when Matthews wrote that book, it was hugely popular. And then they wanted to come out and say how many works for women. And so Kim reached out to me and said, we'd love for you to co-author this. And it's, it's, a real, it's just a real honor and a pleasure to work alongside them because the book itself is really a, a series of case studies of women in different positions and different stages of life and how they, they are faced with financial struggles that they have to deal with. And so I really love the fact that it's story-based, mm-hmm. sharing knowledge as it based on circumstances that women face so that we can support each other and learn and move in the direction. Because, you know, it really it, – it talks about control your money or lose it, mm-hmm. right? That's the simple choice. Your money – you either control your money or it controls you. And way too many people are controlled by their money, and that's what we want to change. When I first released Thinking Grow Rich for Women, only 1.7% of women-owned businesses made over a million dollars a year. Wow. It's a tragedy. Now, that number is now 4.2%, mm-hmm. so it's on the rise, but it's still pathetic. Mm-hmm. We, you know, Women need to understand to, that they need to, in order to scale, they need to bring in people to support them. They try to do everything on their own. In my book, Three Feet from Gold, I talk about the personal success equation, combining your passion and your talent. And most of us stop there thinking we have to do everything on our own. But true success comes with that passion plus talent times A for power of association. Like I welcome and and value my new association with you, Jay. Thank you. I truly value my association with Wealthwave and with Dave and with Kim. Looking forward to the impact that we can make with this new book. Times A, taking action, which is exactly what you referred to in one of your very first questions. A lot of people know they're not supposed to do something. They just don't take the action. And then the last one is plus F for faith. Having faith in yourself, having confidence, have faith in what you're doing, faith that it's needed and necessary, and faith that you will succeed. And too many people, that F is not faith, it's fear and holds them back from creating financial strength in their, in their livelihood. And so that, that personal success equation is so important for people to say, where do I need to work on my personal success? The whole How Money Works initiative, and I, I, I think this is probably the draw of Sharon, it really helps to empower people how to understand the fundamentals of how money works so they can begin to apply these fundamentals. And by the way, the author, uh, Tom Matthews, uh, co-authored with Steve Siebel. Steve Siebel has also been a guest a number of times on the show here. Incredible guys. They're just brilliant individuals that are bringing a great message uh, to the world through this book. And, and the fact that you are co-authoring a women's version with Kim, 
really uh, sh- it's an exciting thing for the for the marketplace to to take advantage of. But I, I well, wanted Tom, to Tom and Tom and Steve are superstars. They have been um, not only when that book came out, they they hit every major network. Tom is just an incredible gift, and Steve to be able to really get the message out and simplify it. I mean, so many times that in order to deal with a fear, you need to simplify, and they did a brilliant job. Tom is just he's got he, he's so heart centered. Mm-hmm. When he built Wealthwave, the, the organization is truly heart driven and service-driven, and so I'm just so honored to be working with Tom, Steve, with Kim. It's just a great organization. And I know they feel the same way about you, and it's only only bright, incredible things are, are, are what lies ahead for the organization, and especially with this collaboration. But in our last couple of minutes here before we go to our next break, there's people that are challenged with their personal identity, and oftentimes I find those that have either sold themselves short, in other words, they're practicing personal limitations, they are practicing low expectations, That's what those are the demons that I believe, those invisible enemies that I call, make up their identity. That identity affects their, their financial decisions and their behaviors. What have you seen, uh, whether, what have you, what can you lend to that that can help someone revamp that personal identity that's holding them back from making better financial decisions and exhibiting better financial behaviors? Well, isn't that the million-dollar question? I think yes, it is. <laughs> without a doubt, you know, everyone listening to this, we've all had something that stopped us in our tracks. Mm-hmm. And um, I lost my son nine and a half years ago, and I went into what I call a world of numb for a couple of years, um, started playing really small. And we all, whether it was a death, a divorce, a financial setback, an illness, all of us have had something stopped us in our tracks. But you're still here, and you're still here for a reason. And there is only one of you. God made you to be uniquely you, and you are perfect just the way you are. And the, the issue is you have an opportunity to stand in your own power. The problem is we tend to give up our power. We're afraid of being criticized. We're afraid of of making a mistake. But you have been given a gift of life and a gift of the experiences you've had. You are an authority because nobody's had your successes or your learning opportunities. So now it's the time for you to stand and say, what else can I do? Who else can I help up along the way? Because there are other people that are going through whatever you've gone through in your life that you can support and help and solve that problem and serve that need for them. Mm-hmm. And so look in the mirror and say, you are fabulous. I am fabulous. It's what I do. I do a daily motivational chip, um, and I, I, I launched it at the beginning of COVID because there was just so much negativity. And at the end of every single one of them, I say, say it with me, I am fabulous, mm. because each and every one of us is a gift. And we have to look in the mirror and accept the fact that we are perfect just the way we are and there's more for us to do sharon i think that's just golden knowledge of wisdom right there Uh, and something as simple as a an affirmation a morning affirmation that affirms your greatness could be the turning point in someone living a better version life just by taking the initiative to speak those positive words out into the world and then feel it i think something as small as that has incredible ramifications to the bettering of, a, of an individual, their performance, their decisions, and so on. Sharon, when we come back after the break, we're going to wrap up the show talking about play big. 
And I want you to share what Play Big is about. That's your new initiative. And I'm excited to hear how that's going to wrap up our show and leave our listening audience with the next action step to take. And we'll tackle that right after the break. Are you having a hard time finding commercial funding? Is this challenge stalling your business goals and dreams? At JRF Financial, we specialize in getting your commercial funding and challenges resolved because we work with the largest SBA lender in the country. We work with over 33 different types of alternative lending and can fund anything from equipment to real estate. So don't let funding challenges stop you. Call JRF Financial at 844-484-6248 or visit us at jrffinancial.org. Have you gotten behind on your personal or payroll taxes due to COVID-19? I'm Adam Cohen, Tax Resolution Manager at Jack Lauderman CPA. The collection arm of the IRS has resumed enforcement action. You may have received demand letters threatening liens or levies. Our firm specializes in resolving complex tax problems. There are options available. Go to txcpaoffice.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's txcpaoffice.com. Tom Sheehan here. I founded Union out of anger after witnessing the mistreatment of local small businesses that had served my, for many years, my Chicago neighborhood before the pandemic. These great businesses had never needed tech and were forced to close their doors because they had no digital solutions to service their customers. Truth is, big tech promises returns with no solutions for small business owners. We created the union's digital platform to fill that void for small business. No promises just results in more money in your pocket. It's so simple, you can be up and running in 15 minutes. We don't charge businesses a penny for a web store or a mobile app that allows you to serve your customers the way they want to buy from you on their phones. Your customers will pay less, business owners will make more, and the money stays local. For listeners of the show, we're offering a free business course to make it even easier to go digital. Get started now at jointheunion.com. That's jointheunion.com slash jmamey. Jointheunion.com slash jmamey. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our final segment here, we're going to pick the brain of Sharon Lecter in a different way because Sharon right now has a brand new initiative called Play Big. And I, and I, I want to ask her before we dive into that, their damaging limitations, and I mentioned earlier, self-placed limitations and low expectations that, that many people, they placed on themselves, which it robs them of the juices of life. So in order to play big, Sharon, what are the blueprints that people must delete? Well, thank you. I mentioned earlier about losing my son, and and I went into my world of numb and neutral for several years and actually considered retiring, and I got a lot of pushback from family and friends. I think I even had my son in my ear saying, get over it, Mom, there's more for you to do. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the decision that I was still here. And if I'm going to do, if I'm going to make a contribution, I'm going to do, impact as many people as possible. And so I had played big most of my career, working with Disney, Warner Brothers, all those, you know, and making a, a much larger impact, building the Rich Dad brand. And so I launched the Play Big movement, saying I'm going to get back in the game and play a bigger game. And the opportunities are there. They always were, but I had blinders on because mm-hmm. we tend to be full of fear. We look down. We don't see the opportunities. When you play a bigger game, you get rid of the blinders, and you go, what can I do? So my Play Big Movement stands for being number one in your field, being the expert, and number two, living your legacy. Your legacy is created every single day with every heart you touch. 
And third is to create maximum impact. And that means if you play a bigger game, you have an opportunity to impact more people in a much positive and much greater way. And so that's the Play Big Movement. I launched as a Facebook group. It's free. It's just about bringing people together to make them understand that they have every right to play with the big guys. I mean, it's never been easier to mm-hmm. compete with big, the big companies because of the Internet. But I want people to really step out of their own comfort zone and take your expertise and share it so that you can number be number one in your field, live your legacy, and create maximum impact. I think that the that potential is available to all of us. But you said earlier, and you've mentioned it a few times, that fear cripples the individual from playing big because not only do we talk our own selves out of it, but if we fall short on any at any point in time, uh, we condemn ourselves, and then, of course, the outside voices that, that are so quick to condemn you uh, add the one-two punch, and, and we sort of crawl and into a corner and, and cower and never give it another shot. Uh, so playing big, I think it's it's important if you understand that fear needs to be kept in its proper place because it has no place in pursuing success. So I appreciate that. Sharon, in our, in our last minute here, last couple of minutes here, I, I, I want to pivot a little bit. Um, because we have listeners from all over the world, all demographics are listening to the show. And you mentioned something in an interview that I heard you speak of, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. You said, when love is challenged, respect steps in. And you had mentioned something earlier. You mentioned about marriage, being married for a long time. Can you wrap up our show today with something that will encourage those that may be in a difficult time right now, and probably because of money, they're a married couple, they're, they're together, they're challenged financially, um, maybe they're at each other's throats, right? Because you can't thrive if you're at each other's throats. Can you speak a little bit about what you said when you love, when your love is, when love is challenged, respect steps in? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that uh, it made an impact. I get often asked, um, what's the secret to your long marriage? And I have a funny answer, but the serious one is, you know, I have tremendous respect for my husband. He's still, after 42 years, is the smartest man I know. And um, at the same time, I love him dearly. He is my life partner. And But there are days when we don't agree. There are days when that love, I don't like him very much, and it challenges the love. But on those days, my respect for him and his brilliance steps in. So I always tell people, yes, you're in love with your partner, but there are days when you won't feel so much in love with them. You're going to be mad at them at something. But let the respect be stronger so that it carries you through those moments. Sharon, you've been an absolute gem on the show. We appreciate you so much taking time to to be on our program. I know that this this content is going to change lives. I know that. That's what this is about. That's why you and I had to connect so that that there's others that uh, will reap the benefits of this conversation. So I appreciate being on the show, and I hope that in the future you'll come back. Well, I will look forward to it so much, and I appreciate you so much, and I thank you for doing this. Folks, This wraps up another fantastic episode of the Jay Mimi Talk Show. I said earlier when we started, it's going to be one of those memorable shows, and it certainly was. We packed 10 pounds of groceries in a two-pound bag. Now, make sure that you take this knowledge and apply it with wisdom. And until next week, keep thriving.